Come on, let's give God praise in this house right now. Oh, come on, let's lift His name up. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is an honor to be here today. And I, um, I feel overwhelmed today that Brother Godair would ask me to uh, preach in this service today. And I pray that the Lord could do something in this house. I appreciate Bishop Godair, Sister Godair. We love these people. Uh, thankful they're stalwarts for truth. They love the truth. And Bishop, you have influenced us all. And you have blessed us with your ministry through the years. And we're thankful for that. It's good to be at East Coast Conference. Hallelujah. We've been coming a few years and enjoyed it every year that we've been here. It's such a blessing and a strength to us. And it's good to be with all the ministers, all those who are preaching this conference. Uh, I'm supporting you and I'm behind you. Hallelujah. Exodus, the 13th chapter. I want to say also what a delight it is to be here with my father. Um, I appreciate him and love him, and he has instilled a love for truth, a love for prayer in my heart, and I'll just tell you, I make no bones about it, but he's my hero, and, and I hope that I can uh, be half the preacher, pastor, visionary that he is. We have a lot of people back home that have been praying for me. In fact, some of them are in the sanctuary now. And I want to tell our congregation, the saints of First Pentecostal Church, I love you and I appreciate you. Amen. I hate my wife couldn't be here. She was packed and ready and our middle child uh, got a stomach virus. So she had to stay behind. But she would have loved to have been here as well. Exodus, the 13th chapter, verse number 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent, when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. The children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. And ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Sukkot and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And I want to preach today from this thought. It's not a detour. 
It's His plan. It's not a detour. It's His plan. Lord Jesus, we need You in this house today. God, I ask Your anointing to be on me. Anoint my lips to preach Your Word today, God. Oh, I need You so desperately today. I need You, Jesus. I need You, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray today. Hallelujah. And, and before we're seated, I, I just I want to say this. Um, we have a little boy who was born about two months ago in our church. And uh, they, his oxygen level was low. They took him to the hospital yesterday. They found major defects in his heart. And he's in serious need. I just thought before we're seated, could we pray over that need that God could heal that baby? In the name of Jesus. Lord, in your name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. God's plan for saving the family of Israel during the famine was to take them to Egypt. On the other end of the line, God had raised up Joseph to store up provisions for his own family. And they were saved because of the providence of God Almighty. There arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. The Israelites became enslaved to the Egyptians, building the cities of Pithom and Ramses. And during this 400 and some 30 years of slavery and living in Egypt, the Israelites increased in number from around 70 to uh, 600,000 men, not counting women and children. They became a threat to uh, the Egyptian uh, regime and they began to uh, put heavy tasks on them and appoint tasks masters that would uh, beat them and make them and force them uh, to labor and the children of Israel began to cry to God for salvation. And God could not ignore the cries of His people any longer. And so He sent a man of God. Moses was sent to Israel uh, to lead them out of Egypt. Because uh, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, God allowed ten plagues to come upon Egypt by the hand of Moses. And even through these plagues, the Pharaoh still uh, would not let the people go. And finally, the tenth and final plague came on, uh, on Egypt. And it was that all the firstborn would die. Uh, whether it was Pharaoh's house, the servant's house, the beasts of the field 
whoever it was, all firstborn would die. And God gave instructions to Moses for the Passover and readied the people to flee from Egypt. They were to cover the doorposts and the lintel with the blood of a one-year-old sheep or goat. They were to roast that goat or lamb in fire and they were to eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And we know that uh, the people of Israel did what was instructed by Moses. And God performed a mighty miracle among the Israelites in that their firstborn were not touched. They did not die. And yet the cries from across the land of Egypt could be heard as people mourned that their firstborn was dead. But God's people had a way out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Thank God for a way out. I said thank God for a way out. And so we come to our text today. It came to pass when the Pharaoh let the people go that God led them not. I want to focus today on this uh, portion of Scripture. God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near. But God said they may repent when they see some war. They may decide to go back to Egypt. And so God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. The word harness literally means 50. Common thought uh, is that Israel may have been ranked in groups of 50. Other Hebrew scholars believe that the word harnessed uh, meant that they were segregated into five military divisions. A vanguard, a center guard two side uh, guards, two wing guards, and a rear guard. However you choose to interpret it, Israel was at some level equipped for battle. However, God knew that Israel may have been seemingly equipped for battle, but they weren't ready for battle. So instead of taking them the shortcut, instead of taking them the shortcut route, God sent them the long way around. I want to talk about the shortcut a little bit here today. The shortcut was called the way of the land of the Philistines. There were actually three different ancient routes from Asia to Egypt. The route number one was from Elath to Suez. Route number two was Beersheba to Suez. And route number three was the way of the land of the Philistines. In Egypt, this route was called the way of Horus. Horus was the primary deity of the Egyptians. And this route was the shortest and most direct from Asia to Egypt. It was the trade route. It no doubt was the route that was taken by the Ishmaelite car uh, caravan that had Joseph. And this was the way that people normally Traveled. It was uh, the customary route to take. The Philistines called 
this root the way of the sea. However, God knew in His infinite wisdom, He knew that the Egyptians and the Philistines who were in alliance uh, would be guarding that route. And there were military outposts along that route that was controlled by either the Philistines or the Egyptians. And God knew that Israel was not ready for that kind of confrontation. And if you think the Egyptians were harsh enough, the barbaric sea people called the Philistines were even more so. So the shortest route was not the right route for Israel. And God knew, and He was proven correct, because later in the Scripture Exodus 14, we see when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and the Bible says they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt Thus with us, to carry us forth out of Egypt, it is not, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for if it, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than, uh, that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I feel like telling somebody today, you just need to stand still and don't be afraid and allow God to fight your battle. Hallelujah. They saw the mighty Egyptians behind them. And they became afraid, sore afraid. They began to fret. They were worked into a frenzy. They hadn't even gotten across the Red Sea yet. And they were already doubting the voice of God. They were already in trouble. They were already questioning the wisdom of Moses. But God had it all planned because He understood what was going to happen. You see, our God is an omniscient God. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm glad I serve a God who is omniscient. He knows everything. I said, He knows everything. He's all-knowing. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. I've come to preach to somebody to tell you today, God's got a plan for you. God's got a future for you. 
God's got a hope for you. You need to settle in and let God lead you and let Him do His work. He is omniscient. He knows everything and He's leading. Sometimes the seeming detour is nothing more than God navigating us around obstacles. You see, because God knows the way you should go, He draws the road map. He's Google. He draws the road map. What you're worrying about? Why are you questioning Him? He knows the path you should take. He's drawing the road map. That's why we should be able to sing wholeheartedly. Where He leads me, I will follow. Where He leads me, I will follow. Where He leads me, I will follow. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let Him lead you today. This is a reason the psalmist could say in Psalm 17, 5, My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. When you're on the God road, when you're on the divine appointed route, I want to tell you, you can hold fast to the path and your feet will not slip. When you're allowing God to lead you, you just got to know that He's going to provide. He will protect. Friend, He's not some, some God that's sitting up in the heavenlies looking down at His creation and laughing when they mess up. Setting up things so they fall. Oh, I don't believe that and I don't buy it. But we have a God and we serve a God who wants to see you make it. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to go all the way. So he has a plan. Let's talk about the plan of God. Isaiah 55 verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Friend, His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are so much greater than our thoughts could ever be. And He can see around the bend. And He knows what lays before us. And while our instincts, our God-given instincts, can sense approaching danger, the omniscience of God 
can see the danger that lies 10, 20, 30 years ahead. You see, we can only sense approaching danger. Danger that's close. But God can see way on down the road. And He knows what you will face. And He knows what you can handle. That's why we pray what Matthew 6.13 says, Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A seeming detour. A seeming detour is just one way that, the, that Matthew 6 and 13 is fulfilled. Let's say it again. The seeming detour in your life is one way that Matthew 6.13 is fulfilled. You see, there's a lot of us. We pray, oh God, don't lead us to, into temptation. Deliver us, God. And then when He starts trying to lead us away from temptation, we're saying, well, well what's going on? We're supposed to be over there. God, you're a million miles from me. And all He's saying is, friend, I'm trying to lead you out of temptation. It may not be the shortcut. It may not be the easiest way through. But it may be the long way. But it will lead you around the obstacle. It will lead you around the temptation. The long way around may just be God having mercy on us. And taking us around the stumbling block. Around the offense. Around the temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to it often the escape route is disguised as a detour I said often that the escape route is disguised as a detour verse 18 of our text in Exodus 13 but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness the ESV says it like this but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness. The Hebrew word means in a roundabout way. He caused the people to go a long way around. And so we must ask the question, why did He lead them the long way? I want to tell you why He led them the long way. He led them the long way so they wouldn't return to Egypt. Often new converts feel the loneliness, the rejection of their friends and family. But friend, it's just the long way around. It's so you don't go back to Egypt. God led them the long way around so that they could be equipped. They could be trained. Spiritually, Mentally and physically. 
You see, they were in no mentality. They were in slave mindset. And God understood that if they're ever going to conquer anything, they're going to have to break off that old mentality and mindset. And so it's going to take a little time for that to happen. And God led them the roundabout way so that they could ultimately be victorious. Exodus the 13th chapter on down from our text today. 21st verse, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. I don't know about you, but I just thank God today that He's leading the way. He's leading the way. Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's leading the way. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be overcome with doubt because He's leading you. And I want to tell you today that shortcuts do not nor will not work. They do not work. Sometimes you've just got to go the long way around. We find in Matthew the 7th chapter, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You've got to go through the one door. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. He is the way. No other way will ever work. Your shortcut way to salvation will never work. Your shortcut way past holiness will never work. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus took his disciples up to a mountain. And there on that mountain he equipped them for ministry. And he sent them out. To do ministry. The disciples became very frustrated. When they began to pray. For a young child. Who was demonically possessed. And the demons would not leave this child. And they were distraught. And they were worried. And they came back to Jesus. We thought we were equipped. We thought we were ready. You prayed for us. You sent us. We're ready to go, but when we encountered this situation, what we had didn't work exactly like we thought it would. And Jesus said, and it's over here on this sign in Mark 9, 28, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer in 
fasting. In other words, you may be equipped and anointed, but you've got to go the aroundabout way. There is no shortcut to the miraculous. You must be willing to pray and fast. Pastor Copeland, you've got to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. Some things aren't going to happen in a shortcut way. They may not happen quickly. Your lost loved ones may not come as quickly as you want them. But if you'll pray and if you'll fast and if you'll be willing to go on the long about way and not get tired and not get anxious and not try to get over on the shortcut and just stay where God has you, I promise you, He will perform the miraculous. Paul understood. He said, thrice I prayed for this to be removed. But God hasn't removed it. Why? Because, Paul, I want you to go the roundabout way. I'm not interested in you going the shortcut. You've got to learn some things. You've got to be able to write some things. You've got to be able to preach some things to the church. And unless you endure afflictions, and unless you deal with the infirmities of the flesh, you'll never be able to minister to other people. Preacher, I've come to tell you humbly, that's why God may have you around on that long about way. He understands that before your ministry can ever be effective, you've got to go through some things. Come on, let's lift our hands and worship Him. Come on, I'm almost finished. Come on, let's praise Him. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Just one personal reference. But I remember when I first started preaching, I was 16 years old. And I, start, I had a desire to work for the church. Worked for God. And I remember my dad, he let me work. He let me help. But you know, uh, at that age, I was more interested in some type of title. I wanted an office with a title on it. Let me tell you, if you don't know my dad, I'll share this with you. Titles mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> And oh, I can remember feeling that desire. You know, if I had this title, people would respect me. And I could do this and do that. But you know what? I understood one day that it wasn't the shortcut way that was going to work. There was going to be some long days, some long nights, willing to be behind the scenes, not always filling the pulpit but being willing to work wherever and do whatever. Let me tell you, hospital calls aren't glamorous. Funeral homes aren't glamorous. But that's where it begins. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we want it quick. We want it the fast food version. We want to order and drive around and it be ready. But that's not the way God works. 
Sometimes you've got to go the long way around. It seems like a detour. It seems like God's a million miles from you. You wonder where He is. You're out here all by yourself. It looks like everybody's going fast. They're on the freeway. They're on the express route. And you're stuck out here on the two lane. Winding through the wilderness. And you don't understand why you're out here. You don't see it. And you begin to question. You begin to wonder. Is God even involved in my life? But I've come to tell you. He knows you. And He knows what's best for you. And it may just be that the long way around. The detour is His plan. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. It wasn't supposed to be a 40 year plan to the promised land. It was supposed to be about a year, year and a half, two years. Not a 40 year plan. You see, that's the problem. That's the temptation. When we get off on the long way around, we let our hearts be filled with doubt. When God's ready to move us, we're still so weighed down with doubt that we can't do what He wants us to do. You see, we call them spies, but really they were more like newspaper reporters. They were supposed to observe and report. And I believe it was supposed to be a biased report. I believe there was some Supposed to be some faith in there that they may have saw the giants, but they knew Yahweh. And they were to answer some basic questions. What's the land like? Is it good or bad? Is it fertile or barren? Are the people who live there strong or weak? Few or many? Are the city-states fortified heavily or are they vulnerable to attack? Are they walled or unwalled? And yet, ten out of the twelve doubted that Israel could ever conquer the land. They had been on that path in that wilderness to the point that they just could not see themselves as a conquering people. They could not see themselves as having the victory over their adversaries. Oh, I pray tonight, today, that God would help us. You may be on that long way around right now, but don't allow the enemy to put doubt in your mind. To plague you with thoughts that you can't ever make it. And my ministry will never happen. And I'll never make anything of myself. And my family, they were, they were like this and I'll just end up like them. May it be today that somehow or another you could see that God is in control. And He is creating the road map. And He's guiding your footsteps. We don't need a church full of doubters. We don't need a church full of people that say we can't make it. The battle's too great. The world is too strong. 
What we need is some people that will stand up and say, we can well possess the land. We may be on the long way around right now, but when God says it's time, I'm going to believe Him. And I'm going to do what He says. And we're going to go to battle against the enemy. And we're going to win. I want to tell you today, that's why you've got to have a pastor to lead you. I'm reminded of a story I heard. I'm almost finished, promise. I remember a, a reminder of a story I heard about uh, President Harry Truman. And he was speaking to Golda Meir and uh, he was confiding in her one day and he said, you have no idea what it's like to be the president of a country of 200 million people. To which uh, Mayer responded, You have no idea what it's like to be a prime minister of a country of two million prime ministers. In other words, they all have an opinion. And they all think they know the best way. I want to tell you today, young man, fill in the Holy Ghost. Young lady, you need to allow the pastor of your church to guide you and lead you. Don't get unsettled on the long way around. Don't get anxious and decide you're going to embark on the shortcut to ministry, on the shortcut to success, on the shortcut to fame. But let the God-given man in your life speak to you and allow him to lead you. You can stand with me today. When the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire are leading you and God is sustaining you with manna, why would you fret over the next phase of your journey? When the miraculous has already taken place and provision has fallen from heaven and there's a cloud and a fire pillar leading you, Why would you fret that He won't take you the next step? He's still in control. He still knows where you are. He still knows your name. And what should have been a one or two year journey ended up being a 40 year journey because a whole generation had to die before they could go to where God intended for them to be. He didn't intend for them to be stuck in some sandy, hot desert. But he had a land that was flowing with milk and honey. He had grapes so large that it took two men to shoulder them, waiting on them. But because of doubt, because of disbelief, because they couldn't listen to the voice of God through the man of God, an entire generation had to be wiped out. It's not supposed to be a 40-year plan, folks. It may seem like a detour, and it may seem too long already to you. But I want to tell you today, it's not. It's His plan. David, having been anointed by the prophet Samuel, 
to be king, spent eight to ten years of his life running from the jealous King Saul. It looked like a detour, but it was his plan. Daniel exiled from his homeland, placed in the king's service. It looked like a detour. Sent to the den of lions. It looked like a detour, but it was his plan. Joseph, kidnapped by his brothers, sold into Egyptian slavery, lied on by Potiphar's wife, imprisoned for seven years. It looked like there was no hope, but Joseph, it wasn't a detour. It was God's plan. Paul, he said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content in whatever state, whatever situation, whatever circumstance. Paul, how could you learn this contentment? He said, because I understand I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's why I can be amazed. That's why I can go down. That's why I can go up. That's why I can be full. That's why I can be hungry. I can deal with it all because I've learned it's not on my strength. It's not my ingenuity. It's not my five-year plan. But it's according to God come to tell someone today you've been struggling you've been wondering why it hasn't happened quickly why it hasn't worked the way you think it should work this preacher today has come to tell you don't doubt God don't doubt the plan just allow God to lead you and to guide you. Come on, can we lift our hands today? I believe there's someone that needs to respond to the word today. You need to get out of your seat and come to this front and thank God for the long way around. It may just be He's leading you around the temptation, around the obstacle. He's getting you ready for mighty victory. Getting you ready for revival. He's getting you ready for greatness. Be content. Be content. Accept his plan. Accept his will. Accept his way. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord all across this building right now. In the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, we've got a little bit of time. Why don't we just pray for just a few moments? Everybody, why don't we just reach out to the Lord? Hallelujah.
Pensó 